Thank you. <laughs> We're talking about a playlist. Every one of us probably on your electronic device, you have a playlist. You have songs that take you into certain moments, songs that reflect certain moods, songs whether by style, genre, whatever, that you just enjoy the easy listening or relaxing or just celebratory. All kinds of songs on your playlist. Can I tell you, we have a playlist of the heart. The playlist of the heart is the, is the dreams, the prayers, the wish, the daydreaming that we do. And I want to suggest to us that God has a playlist. And the 184 verses in the Bible that cover the birth of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, 184 verses that tell the story of Jesus being born. In Luke, we have four songs mentioned. Can I suggest to you, God has given us a playlist. When God began to tell the story, when God began to reveal what he was going to do for humanity through his son Jesus coming to this earth, he did it by giving us a playlist. And I want to examine over the next several weeks God's playlist. And the first song we're going to look at is what I'm going to call the song of promise. Mary. Mary was a virgin. She was in living in a place called Nazareth an obscure little village out of the way. And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Mary, you've been, you've been chosen by God, and through you the Messiah will come, the Savior of the world. And the Bible says that Mary was somewhat overwhelmed by this. And for a time she escaped and went to a neighboring village to be with some friends and family, uh, Elizabeth and uh, she was there, and upon arriving, the Bible says that Elizabeth, who was great with child, she was carrying John the Baptist in her womb, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The moment that Mary arrives on the scene, the Bible tells us this, that John the Baptist inside the womb of Elizabeth leaps, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, Elizabeth will say to Mary, you're the one. Verse number 45 in Luke chapter 1 said, you're the one who's going to fulfill the promise that God has brought. And at the moment that Mary hears that phrase, you're going to fulfill the promise. I'm talking about the song of promise. She breaks forth in a song. Can I suggest to us, it's the song of promise. It's the first song in God's playlist in the birth story, the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. And it's called Mary's Song. We find it in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. And the Bible says, and Mary said, and she began to sing this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms, and He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, and He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and He has sent away the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The first song in God's playlist is a song of promise. And we learn something very important from this account, uh, the song of promise of Mary. 
And that is God does not motivate us by ultimatums. God inspires us by promise. There's some of us, there's some of us, we, we, we think God is mean and austere and, and God has a fist and a whip and he's going to punish and he's going he's to do everything he can to grind your life down to nothing. You have a wrong concept of God. And in just a few moments, I'm going to give you a chance to connect to the God of promise. Some of us in here, We've reconnected from our promise in God. There was a time that we felt close to the Lord. There was a time we walked with God. There was a time God was dear to our lives. But maybe through mishap or distraction or, or maybe we made a wrong decision in life or, or maybe we got offended at God. Maybe something happened and we blamed God for it and we withdrew for whatever reason. And God's speaking to you and calling you back to reconnect with the with the God of promise. And I tell you, God is not ready to punish you. God's not ready to grind you in the dust. God speaks to us and motivates us, not by ultimatum, but by promise. And in the account of what I call the first song in God's playlist, the song of Mary, there are three things I want to identify very quickly. Oh, I could, I, I could, I could unpack several more things, but, but for just a moment, allow me to identify Three thoughts, three thoughts in God's playlist song, the, the song of promise. The first thought, we, we see it in verse uh, number 47. And I see about the song of, the song of promise, it's a, it's a joy to live out. In God's, in God's song of promise, there's a joy to live out. Notice verse number 47, she said, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What is interesting about that is just 14 verses earlier in this chapter, Mary's going to say, I am greatly troubled. Now, when I say 14 verses, I'm, I, I'm actually saying kind of in the same conversation. She arrives and, and all of a sudden she sees Elizabeth and she says to Elizabeth, I heard this from an angel and I'm greatly troubled. I am distressed. Then all of a sudden... 14 verses later, really just a few minutes later, she said, I'm rejoicing in the God of my Savior. How do you go from being greatly troubled to rejoicing your spirit singing before God? Something happened right in the middle. Seven verses after she said, I'm greatly troubled. Verse 38, something happens. Do you know what occurs in verse number 38? It's it's the conception of Jesus Christ. Yes, when Gabriel said, and he came to her and said, you will, future tense. She had not yet conceived of the Holy Spirit, the, the Messiah. He said, you will conceive. You will be the one. You will bring forth. And then in verse 38, here's what she says. She said, Lord, be it unto me. Let it be fulfilled in me, even as your word said. And at that moment, verse 38... Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit in her. So between being greatly troubled and her saying, I'm rejoicing in the God my Savior, she said yes to God.
There's God's formula to move your life out of brokenness and perplexity and confusion and say, I have no idea what's going on, to having a joy to live out. You say yes to God. That's always God's pattern. When you and I say yes to God, then God says, I can give you a song of promise. Some of us were in a conversation of the heart with God. We, we're hearing a music playing as it were in a distant land in the back of our mind. It's like, it's like it's calling us, it's summonsing us to be different and walk different. It's a tune that is different from the playlist you're singing, from the brokenness and bad decisions you have. It's the beckoning voice of God saying, will you say yes to me? And if you'll say yes to me, then I can take you into a life of promise. And here's what we learn from Mary. What's within us comes out of us. The, the surroundings of our life, what we live out, is really what's inside of us. When she said, be it unto me, let it be fulfilled in me, then she could sing for the joy in her life. That's God's pattern. If you want a new outside, let God bring a new inside. That's how God works. That's what Jesus said. A good man by the good things of his heart will bring forth good things. But an evil man and evil things of his heart, he will bring forth evil things. What's ever in the life, look into the heart. We want God to change the things and the people around us. And God is saying, let me change your heart. And everything around you will likewise change. But I want to tell you, the moment you say yes to God... There are two bullies that will show up in your life. Two bullies, uh, two bullies that will come and try to intimidate you. Uh, two bullies that will try to steal from you. I call them the Ood brothers. The Ood brothers. What are you talking about? The first one is should. Yeah, he'll say, I, he'll tell you, I, I should, but somebody treated me wrong. I should, but the mountain's too high and the valley's too deep and the river's too wide and my bridge over troubled water fell down. I just can't, I can't sing that song on my playlist because I should, but, and he will point to a day, a person, or situation that will tell you, you can't have that song in your life. But there's another one of the Ood brothers, not only, not only should, but could will come. I could if, I could if life was as simple as A, B, C, Do, Re, Mi, one, two, three. If everything was just a fairy tale, I could do it and I could fulfill it. I could if, or I should, but these two bullies will try to tell you, stay where you're at. You can't change. And some of us have bought into that. Some of us have a faulty view of the grace of God. We think that, we, we think we've got to earn or deserve it. When I begin to talk to you about a song of promise, some of you already said skeptically in your mind, it can't happen to me. Do you realize what I've done? Do you realize the mistake I made? Do you realize the past I've had? Do you realize, you know, and I, I promised God back then I would and I didn't and I didn't. And we start going through all these things and you see God as a scale. 
that you have to do enough good things in order for God to lift you up. You see, God is a scale. You don't understand the grace of God. You think you're earning or having to deserve God's promise, and that's a mistake. I was thinking about this, and I I remember when I was a, a little boy. Some of you recall this. Some of you will recall this. Uh, when, when I was a little boy, my mother would go to the grocery store on paydays usually every two weeks and she would fill up the baskets. And I remember going to the grocery store with my mom and we'd go up to the checkout and they would check out and push the little buttons. And when it was all said and done, there's a little box right next to the cash register and the lady would push these buttons and all of a sudden these green things came out. Just lines of these green things. You're with me? S and H green stamps how many how many remember snh green stamps the little stamps and you would just get a fistful for every dollar you spent in the grocery store you got so many green stamps you would take them home then you had these little booklets uh, uh that were there and you would open them up and you would lick them and paste them about 30 or 40 per page you would put on. I still remember my mom taking and licking the stamp and putting them in there. And we, we were kids. We didn't know any better. We'd say, mom, can we do it too? And we would lick. I mean, that pasty stuff. I mean, it's probably toxic. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it probably eats brain matter. That probably explains the condition I'm in today to you. If there's ever a class action lawsuit against S&H green stamp glue, I'm going to be one of the plaintiffs in it because I licked a lot of those stamps. We would put them in. Then when you get a book full, they would kind of bundle up like you couldn't smash them down. And you would save up book after book after book of S&H green stamps. And when you had enough, you would go to the S&H green stamp catalog and you would pick something out. If it was 12 books of stamps, you would mail them in and they would mail you your gift. We thought it was for free. And I remember we got a kitchen clock. Mom had saved up enough, enough S&H green stamped books to get a kitchen clock. And it was the shape of a cat. And right in the belly of the cat was a clock right here. But it was shaped like a cat and we plugged it in. And it was neat because the tail would move back and forth like this. You came to our house. You'd have to go to our kitchen. We wanted you to see our S&H green step clock that was a cat with the tail moving back and forth. We thought that was just so, so neat. And we said, we got that for free. Free? For free? Do you realize how many groceries we had to buy? How many stamps we had to lick? How many uh, uh, books you had to save. To, it was nothing free, but that was our version of free. And some of us have SNH green stamp theology. You think, oh God, I got to earn, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do all these good things. I, I, I got I to like my neighbor whose dog barks at night. I want to kill that dog, but I got to be nice. And I got to be nice on 410 and 1604. And I got to be nice to that lady in front of me. When I go to lunch today, she can't make up her mind. And I already know I'm going to get to number four. And she sits there for five minutes and I want to kick her, but I got to be nice. I got to earn all of these, all of these merits with God so that I 
I can take my SNH green stamps that I've earned with God and say, please answer my prayer. You have a wrong concept of God. Can I tell you, Mary didn't deserve it. She didn't earn it. She stepped into the promise of God. And God said, I have a promise for you. I'm going to pick you up out of obscurity. You don't earn it. You, you're, you don't deserve it. It's going to be the grace of God that comes to you. And because of that, she said, I'm no longer troubled. But I have a song and I rejoice in God my Savior. Four words. Four words. In God my Savior. Four words. Did you notice that? Yeah. Verse 47. Unfortunately today... Too often we only say two of those words. Four words, in God my Savior. But we only speak two of those words. It has become vogue. It has become popular in the American church, unfortunately. To take off my Savior and just say, in God. In God, but we don't say my Savior. What do you mean? People say all the time, Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe. Oh, I don't go to church. <laughs> I don't do all that Bible stuff that's, that's there. Oh, no, I don't, I don't do that either. If that's for you, you do what you want. But I don't do that, all that. But, but I believe in God. And, and I try to be good. And, and I try to be nice to my fellow man. And I'm interested in in the environment, and I'm interested in social justice, and, I, 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 and we have this, this good well-being concept of God. And there is prevalent in the American church today, it's, it actually has a name. It's called the, the moral therapy theory. The moral therapy theory. What does that mean? It states that Jesus... Jesus came to just make us, make us successful. Jesus is like street lamps that God put along the road. You travel whatever road you want. But Jesus is like these street lamps to just make the journey more enjoyable and to make it safer for you and, and so that you can go down the path you choose more conveniently. He's, he's not going to tell you to change lanes. Jesus is not there to tell you to go a different path. He's just going to light the way whatever path you choose in life. That's the moral therapy theory. He wants you to feel good about you and who you are. And that's where the American church is, God. And all we do today is say, I'm in God. And we're missing something. We've generalized it. But Mary said, I rejoice in God. Two words, my Savior, she added to it. She understood something. She understood that God is in the business of redemption. God is in the business of changing life. God's in the business of taking brokenness and 
alienation and, and confusion and addictions and problems and idiosyncrasies and personality issues. He's in the business of healing people and setting people free from all that debris and all that garbage. He's in the business of redemption. Can I tell you, the Bible is a book of redemption, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, God redeems us from. New Testament, God redeems us for. I can give you the whole Bible in those two statements. Old Testament, God redeems us from sin. New Testament, God redeems us for his purpose. Redeems us from the past, redeems us for his purpose. Let me put it this way. Here it is. Making new, making great. God redeems us from the past, making new. God redeems us for the future, making great. That is the gospel. That is the Bible. God's in the redemption business. He's in the business of changing our lives. And Mary said, I've got a joy to live out. Why? Because I went from being greatly distressed to I have a song of joy. What happened? I discovered there's a Savior. He accepts you. He changes you. He redeems you. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. It's the grace of Almighty God. And she said, I can sing that song, the song of promise. Number two, not only is it a joy to live out, it's a hope to live for. Verse 48, a hope to live for. Let's read it there. It says, Mary sings this song, from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. From now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Mary. You're a peasant. You're from Nazareth. Do you know what Nazareth meant? It was a colloquialism of that day. Remember it said of Jesus, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was an insult. Nazareth in that day was like the other side of the tracks. It was the less sophisticated, not as good as us. If you wanted to put somebody down, you would say, they're just from Nazareth. It was a social put down. Mary was a peasant. She had no royal history pageancy. She, she was of no special pedigree. Not only that, she was from Nazareth. But she says, all generations are going to call me blessed. Wait, wait a minute. What is it about it? Well, Mary would say, conceived in me by the Holy Spirit is the Messiah. But the Holy Spirit had just conceived in her a few moments ago. In other words, she wasn't even showing yet. She had no evidence of it. Okay, She could not feel any baby in her womb. She was just minutes away from having had the conception inside of her. So she was a peasant from Nazareth, a nobody. She had, no, she had nothing she could see obvious, nothing she can feel. But she said, guess what? All generations are going to rise up and call me blessed. You see, the song of promise gives you a hope to live for, a hope to live for. 
that you're not stuck where you're at. And every one of us, I want to say unequivocally, in your life, God has a bigger than you purpose. You say, I'm a banker. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. I'm in finance. I'm in construction. That's what you do for a living. But God has a bigger than that purpose for you. You have a hope to live for. And God lifted Mary up and put a hope in her that she said, you know what? I don't see anything and I don't feel anything, but I believe all generations are going to call me blessed from now on. And I've noticed in life, there are different categories of from now on. You can have a disappointment from now on. Yeah. Divorcees, don't retreat into a shell. Don't say from now on I'll never trust and I'll never allow and I'll... Don't do that. That's a disappointment from now on. There is a frustration from now on and it comes from fatigue. You, you, can, you can get so weary. You can get so drained. Then all of a sudden you say out of frustration from now on, no more. I, I can't do it and you want to quit and give up. There is a despondency from now on. You know, hurt, mm. whether you have a master's degree, bachelor's degree, or just a GED, when you're hurt, when you, when you hurt, it can color life. And you can get in a despondency from now on. From now on, from now on, I... I, 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 I'm just going to separate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back into my cave. I'm going to pull away. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I just, I, I can't do it from now on. And you, you become a different person. You're not the person that was on the playground when you were a kid. You were so happy and inviting. And as the socialite and you enjoyed people. But today, you don't speak to the person in the cubicle next to you. You've withdrawn behind behind privacy fences and locked doors and you've shut people and life out because you said somewhere in your hurt from now on, from now on, yeah. When you're in hopelessness, hopelessness, I've learned from pastoring, hopelessness will sign a divorce decree. Hopelessness will quit tithing. Hopelessness will quit. Hopelessness will walk out. Hopelessness will shut the door. Hopelessness will shut other people out. Hopelessness will change everything about you and it will change your playlist. You'll all of a sudden start singing different songs. Hit the road, Jack. Yeah. Love's like a dying ember. Only memories remain. Adele will come and sing hello and you'll say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it'll change your playlist. What are you missing? You're missing a hope to live for. Mary, Mary's song was a song of hope. She said, I have a joy to live out, but I have a hope to live for from now on. All generations will call me blessed. That's a song of promise. 
And thirdly, thirdly, there is a faith to live by. A faith to live by. It's, it's found in, in uh, verses 51 through 54. When I read this, I, I, I came to 51 through 54, and I was a little bit intrigued by these verses. Let me just rehearse them. This is Mary. This is Mary singing this song. <laughs> Listen to what she says. She said, of God, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud and their inmost thoughts. Wait a minute. No, God has not done that. At that particular time, God had not done that. Verse 52, he has, God has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. Wait a minute. Herod is still in Jerusalem and Caesar is still leading Rome and controlling the Holy Land. He has not done, verse 52. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent away the rich empty. At that moment, he has not done that. That has not occurred. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering the merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, as he has promised. Wait, 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 wait a minute. There are people in Israel, some of the descendants, that feel forgotten and feel left out, feel alienated. But she says he has. How do I reconcile that? Because she was saying it in faith. That's what she was saying. Here's what she was doing. It may not be that way today, but I'm not going to measure how things look and feel today. She said, I, I have a joy to live out, I have a hope to live for, and I have a faith to live by. If God has selected me, then he has something big he's going to do, and I'm not stuck where I'm at, and God can do something, and God can change some things, and I, my life, is not going to be labeled or controlled by where I am today. She was saying this in faith. She was saying, he has not, but he will yet do it for me. That's what she's saying, a faith to live. I, I love when I hear people say, you know what? God's healed me, but you know they still have symptoms. You know what they're saying? This is in faith. You know what? I got a raise. Really, how much? I don't know. It's going to come sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to be at the top. I'm going to have the best career. Really? Have you got an offer? Nope. But I'm trusting God. I like that, that faith. And here's what Mary teaches us. She couldn't see it. There was no evidence of it right then and there. But we learn this timeless lesson from Mary. When you don't understand God's plan, hold firm to God's hand. There it is. When you're in a point in life you don't understand all that's going on in your life, God's plan. You hold firm to God's hand in your life because you have a faith to live by. Yes. I remember a lady in the church, she met me right over here. Right after church, she comes forward. She put her shoulder, head on my shoulder. And racking sobs, her shoulders were moving. Tearful heartbreak, she says to me, Pastor, she has a young daughter. My husband's walked out on me. He said, he doesn't love me anymore, don't want to be with me anymore. 
She said, I had no idea. No idea. I thought we were happy. We just came back from vacation. Just, he's gone. What am I going to do? How, how am I going to put this together? What's, what's, what's this going to mean? She had, she was at the end, kind of literally, literally rock bottom. She said, I can't make a living. We can't pay the bills with Mike. He's walked out sour. I don't know how we're going to pull this off. Time and again, she'd meet me. We'd pray. She, she just kept believing God. She would tithe, come to church, bring her daughter to church, and she didn't know how she was going to make it to the end of the month. But she came down one day. Her daughter's now a teenager, and there was a smile on her face. And here's what she told me. Pastor, I got to tell you a story. You knew the dark season I walked through. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. She said, I've been faithful to God. I've got a couple promotions. I just got a recent promotion and raise. She said, I'm now making six figures right now. I can send my daughter to college. I'll be able to pay her way. And everything the enemy took from me, God has given me back and even more. And she was rejoicing and celebrating to the Lord. What am I saying? When you don't understand God's plan, you hold firm to God's hand. And that's the song of promise. That's the song of promise. The song of promise will work when you're heartbroken, confused. When you don't understand life, God's song of promise can still be sung in your life. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's the grace of God extending God's best to you. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Please. No one leaving. We're in an altar service. Please, hold on. Please respect the anointing and the altar. I'm going to ask everyone to just hold on right now. Are you needing to connect with God? Have you lost your promise? Is your playlist one of brokenness and confusion? Is your playlist one of disappointment? Do you sing songs of disappointment and how you've been treated and how you've been done or the mistakes that you've made? Can I tell you, God can edit a playlist. God can add and God can delete. God can bring a making new moment to you. And if you need to connect to God, you want to discover God's song of promise for you, by connecting to Jesus Christ as your Savior. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand at the count of three. And some of us, we need to reconnect with God. We got busy, distracted. We got sidetracked somewhere along the way. But in your, in your heart, you know, you need to reconnect with God. And if that's you, if that's you, I'm going to invite you at the count of three to raise your hand. At this moment, I'm going to invite our prayer team to move forward. And now I give this invitation. If, if you need to connect with God or reconnect with God, the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. That's me. Yes. Yes. In the balcony. Yes.